Hi, this is Jason Faisal, lead pastor of Casper Alliance Church. I'm glad you stopped by our weekly teaching podcast. This week we looked at Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 7. Hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. My wife just leaned over to me and said, don't let time quench the spirit. <laughs> but I, I know, I know, I get a little carried away. And I actually, I really do, I, I want to do our closing song today. And that's like the thing that I cut out. Uh, I, I really love the closing song today. I, and closing song is such a bad word. I, I love the, uh, the church recap. And so, like, the, today's song is, is actually important. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit Philippians. This is week 11. We have two more weeks this week and next week of Philippians. And then next week, or in, two, in three weeks, is that right? I, my math is bad. I, um, we're going to start a new series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling it the Summer on the Mount. You see what I did there? Oh, <laughs> no, I, whatever. It's fine. You don't, have to, you don't have to make me feel good. Uh, anyway, our first, uh, Chris, Chris hasn't taught in a long time. Chris is going to take the first week of the Sermon on the Mount series. And, uh, and I love Chris's teaching. Chris has really fun insights on the scripture. He's one of our leaders here. Uh, so Chris will take the first Sunday, and we're going like, to work through the Sermon on the Mount for the summer. Uh, and it's a, it's a really practical way of looking at discipleship. It really is one of those things that Jesus, when, when Jesus brought his disciples to him and said, here we go, let's go to work. I'm going to teach you some things. Here's the basics of what it means to follow me. And he, he attacks uh, the, the way in which they thought versus how we're going to go forward. And so it's really fun. I don't know. Uh, Mark is probably going to do a teaching time in the next few weeks too. And so some of our elders are going to get a chance to come up. It's en- enough of me all the time. I believe in a plurality of voice. I love our leaders. I love our elders here. I love to preach, but somebody else needs to share some thoughts too. And so we have two more weeks of Philippians. So here's what we're going to do this week. We're going to go Philippians uh, chapter 4, verse 2, through verse um, 7. And it was through verse 9 originally, but then I'm like, verse 8 and 9 are important, and I want to hit those a little bit harder next week. Uh, I, I think I do. And so we're going to finish up at, with 8 and 9 next week, and you guys can enjoy the rest of the chapter on your own. But, uh, okay, so here's one of the things. I'm tired of coming up in here, coming up to this front and saying, wow, what a week we just had. I mean, it, it's exhausting what's going on. It, it is tiring. And our brains are like, are, we're just, um, we're filling our minds with all kinds of just, ugh. And it's not even the, like, it's just the stuff that's kind of out there still. And we've had some things happening here in Casper, you know, some, just some demonstrations. And stuff. But I'm tired of saying, man, what a week we just had. I'd love to come up here and go, can you believe the week we just, that was amazing what just happened. But I haven't been able to do that yet. And so I feel the stress along with you. I feel the kind of the pressure and the heaviness and, and the weirdness of the world. And I, I don't want to come up here and pretend and like be all jovial and, and fake extrovert that I am guy on Sunday morning and, and act like all oh, the sky is, sky is blue because it is and, and there's no wind in Casper anymore. It's all gone. And and the oil, you know, it's going to be $90 a barrel for, the, for eternity, and everything's going to be fantastic, and we're all going to be rich. In fact, I watched this documentary this last week that told me never to do that, to never say that we're going to be fine. In fact, one of the beautiful things of the Christian experience is suffering. 
It is, the, it is the joy of being able to embrace the garbage of this world and say Jesus is still king. Right? That's, that's the joy of being a Christian. We get to do that. We get to say, I know my Savior, and he's redeemed my soul, and I'm going to be fine regardless of how garbage piles onto our world right now. 2020 is a hot mess, and I'm sick of it. But at the same time, we get to, and we have to, and we, we need to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Not just to the people who don't know Jesus, but to us. And I've been more in big, like, I just, I feel passionate about that. That the gospel is so much for us right now. Like us who have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. We need the good news of the gospel right now. The power to bring dead things alive. And that, that thing inside of us that, that we know lives there in the spirit of Jesus Christ, flowing out of us is the thing that brings dead things alive. The very spirit that brought Jesus from the grave is the spirit that regenerated your soul if you follow him. And that's, there is a thing that happens to, to around you that, sh- that should be happening around you when you live a gospel-centered life. You need to be impacting the people around you in a way to where, sure, we can come together on a Sunday morning and go, man, this was a week, right? This was, this was a week. And just do that for you know, 22 weeks in a row. But we can also come together and say, this was a week when my, my, my Savior lives. And King Jesus is on the throne. And that's where, I mean, we got garbage. And we got garbage in the room, and we got garbage in our homes, and we got garbage in the streets, and we got garbage, garbage, garbage. And I'm going to jump to the end of the message. And I'm going to say, with big authority, my conclusion is blank. Because there is nothing that I can say that will ever trump the good news, ever. There is nothing that I can construct and build and and architect and put into a three-point outline and to tell you that this is really, really good when I came up and here's the big idea and let's crank some blanks. That's never going to happen. That was left-handed, by the way. If I threw that right-handed, the piano would have went... Just wanted you to know that there's there is some silliness in all this. But there's nothing that I can say that's gonna trump the good news. Ever. And this is exactly what Paul is is fighting for as he writes and writes and writes most of our New Testament. The good news is the thing that trumps. The good news is the thing that takes over. The good news is the thing that transforms. The good news is the, the thing that helps us persist through through persecution, that helps us persist through the dissension in the church, that helps us persist through all of life. And the great joy of suffering under Christ is the thing that we get to inherit and have. It is part of our inheritance in the kingdom. We get to enjoy suffering. So regardless of where you are in life, you get to suffer because you love Jesus. And if and if you are feeling that suffering and Jesus are not connected, you're wrong. Because suffering and Jesus are like this. They're married because as soon as you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, the garbage will come. It just comes. And we're not going to ever be a place, we're not going to ever be a place or a church that says, you got Jesus, you got it all figured out, you're good, life is good. Now we believe here that life gets tough. And so one of our vision statements that we have, or our vision statement is, we're going to fight forward together with hope, and hope only in Jesus Christ. Meaning that we acknowledge that there's going to be a fight that we have to fight. And this is what Paul is, I'm again saying, Paul is addressing to the Philippian church in probably the most famous verses in Philippians. That you're, you're, when I read them here in a second, you're going to go, yeah, I know these. And you could build multiple messages off of each verse. But let me read this to you. And I'm going to skip down to verse 4. 
And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and say one thing, but I'm gonna, the content, I, I think I'm done. I, I've said all that I should say, but I'm going to read it to you so that you know that I, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Verse 4 says this, rejoice in the Lord, always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and application, supplication, uh, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This first section, verse 2 through 3 here, is all about a conflict that's happening in the church. These two women are fighting. And I practiced saying their names so many times this week. Do you want, me, you want to hear what I came up with, or do you, do you even care? Eodia, Eodia, got it? Sintaish, Sintaish. And it's hard to say it without having an accent. And then I'm listening to myself have this stupid accent. I'm going, am I saying it like I'm from the Middle East? That feels so, like, not right to do it like that. I'm going, Eodia, Eodia. I'm sitting at my desk going, Eodia. And if you would have walked up behind me, which I'm sure somebody did at some point, and was like, my husband or my dad, he's a moron. He's just looking at a screen going, Eodia, Eodia. Anyway, there's these two women. They're fighting. And actually, the whole point of this entire letter is about these two women. Really. They're in an argument in a church. You ever been in an argument in the church? You ever gotten in a fight with somebody at the church? Have you, ever got, have you gotten in a fight with somebody at the church today? That's a better question. I haven't. I have not kicked a printer today, and I didn't almost knock that computer off because everything worked fine, and we didn't have to print anything. But fights happen in churches, don't they? They're, they're a real-life thing. And this is, this, is the, um, this is the point of what's happening here. Paul's saying, get along. Get along. You guys, you need to have unity. You have all of these pressures that are fighting against you. So I'm not putting us, I'm not, I don't want to insert ourselves into the story, but we can say that we have all these pressures fighting against us. Even the way we did communion today is not normal, not natural to us, right? That's a pressure that kind of pushes against the church a little bit. In fact, um, here's what we, I'm going to give a real-life illustration of something that happened this morning. I ordered single-serving cups, and I said, We'll do communion when I get the single-serving cups. And when the single-serving cups show up, then we'll set them out, and you guys can come do communion, and we'll make life easy for us. The single-serving cups, who knows when they're going to come in. I ordered them multiple weeks ago, but they're not here yet. And if it would have been up to me this morning, I just wasn't going to have communion. But thankfully, one of our beautiful people, Janae, said, we're going to do communion. Here's how we can do communion. Here's how we can go through and do communion. Was communion not great this morning? Somebody had to, had to go against what I felt comfortable with and say, go do this differently. Am I upset with her? Absolutely not. But I, I'm sure a church has split at some point in the history of church over something like that. But she had, she had the, the right way, the right courage, and, the right, and I had the right trust in her to come to me and say, I disagree. Let's do it this way. And I, and I go, yeah, that's a great way to do it. And communion happened for us. And so many times in a church's history, these little arguments take place. These little things happen. 
And Paul, Paul sent help. Paul sent, asked the elders. They couldn't do it. Paul sent all these people and said, just figure it out. You have to figure this out. And nobody could figure out because this dissension in the church was causing like this, this ripple, this effect that was going to break the church up. Sound familiar? Casper Alliance Church? So how do you deal with it? Talk about it. Just talk about it. Do we not love each other enough to talk about our conflict? To say I'm frustrated with this particular thing? Do we not care about each other enough to say, you know what, let's talk about this? Are we not for each other enough to go, yeah, I disagree with that, but let's talk about it. Now, granted, we haven't been together very much, so it's been less and less conflict because we're not in each other's spaces. That's the natural happenings of church. When you're in each other's space, conflict takes place. But are we willing to talk about it? And so then here's, here's the whole point, I think, of what I'm trying to get at today. More and more and more, we just bury our feelings. We bury what we think, and we bury our frustration, and we bury our conflict, and we bury all of the stuff. We just bury it. And Paul's saying, no, you guys need to work this out because all of your names are in the book of life. Figure it out. And if we continue to bury it, if we continue to put it down low, it eventually will bubble up, and it will become chaos and cause dissension. And all of the while, Paul is writing this, these, these multiple chapters to this church, whom he loves, while he's attached to a wall in prison. And he's saying, you guys have got to figure this out so this church doesn't get divided because you're positioned perfectly to make an impact for the good news, the gospel. You guys need to know and hear the gospel, you people, this church I love. The good news cannot stop because these two people are fighting. Figure it out. Okay, so then... He's done with that, and he goes into the scripture I've already read. Rejoice. Rejoice always. The theme of the entire book of Philippians, to live joyfully, to rejoice. Well, how can you live joyfully if everything, every time you come to the table, it's like, whoa, another thing happened in 2020. Whoa, another thing happened in 2020. We got, what are the different things now? We have killer hornets or murder hornets. We've got, we've got riots now. We have COVID-19. We've got a depression. We've got political unrest. We've got, I mean... We've got all of these things, but, and it's just like chaos. And, but at the same time, Paul's going what? Rejoice. Rejoice always. Persecution, dissension, false teaching were all taking place, and we've actually talked about that multiple times as we've gone through this book. And because of their partnership in the gospel, which Paul referenced in the first chapter, he's saying you still have to rejoice. And this whole little pet last part is just pepper spray of, of truth to the church. Verse 5, I think, is there's two things here that I, I just want to say, and you can study it on your own. I'm not even going to get into it deeply. I have it. Um, there's a theology on prayer that's built in here that Paul gives real quickly, and we overcomplicate with prayer. Everything by prayer and supplication. Make your request be known to God. And everything that we do, we need to present it before the Lord in prayer. But the key verse for me in this entire chapter, and this is for, for, for me personally, giving to you that illuminated the good news is verse 5. 
And if you want to look with me again, it says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone, that the Lord is at hand. That word reasonableness can also be translated gentleness. Gentleness. That the Lord is at hand. What does it look like for a church to be gentle? What does it look like for a church to be reasonable? What is Paul asking of this church? What is Paul saying? Let your reasonableness be known. Let your gentleness be known. I'm telling you, more often than not, the Christian experience is to hide and to kind of close it in and to make it be this kind of private thing. And Paul's saying, no, let it be known because the Lord is at hand. Let the thing that happened inside of your soul, the good news of Jesus Christ, be known to other people so that they can experience it too. Could you imagine if we just had some gentleness going on in the planet right now? If we just went around and were reasonable for five minutes with one another and just said, you know what? My agenda doesn't matter. The agenda of the Lord matters, and that has required me to be reasonable, to be gentle, to be loving to my neighbor, to be caring towards my... What if 100,000 Christians were to do that in this region alone, just in this region? What would that look like? And we refuse to. We absolutely refuse to because our agenda is so important to us. Something's going to be taken away from us. Something's going to be stripped from us. I'm with you. I think about it too. In fact, I was complaining about this morning. If they elect that guy, we're in trouble. That's not reasonable. That's me. Do I honestly believe, and I'm, I'm asking myself this question as I'm saying, Iodia, Iodia. Do I honestly believe I honestly believe that Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or whoever our elected officials are have any impact on my soul. I don't believe that at all. That's why Paul's saying all of this stuff that's happened, let your request be known to God. Make your reasonableness be known. Rejoice in the Lord always in everything with prayer and supplication. Da-da-da-da-da. And guess what? Because of all that, what happens? The peace of God happens. The peace of God that transcends all understanding happens in your soul. And peace that doesn't make sense to the human mind. Peace that doesn't make sense to, to anybody around you. Peace. That's what we're looking for. Peace. If we could just say 2020, give us some peace. The answer's right here. The gospel gives us peace in our soul. Now, is it going to bring peace to the world? No. Jesus says no. It is going to divide the heart and soul of people. It's going to separate families. It's going to ruin relationships. But I promise, anybody who encounters the living Christ, the good news of Jesus, they have peace. And that is what this is all about. You are only able to rejoice if you have peace in Christ. You can only look at the news and watch the news and talk about Black Lives Matter and pay attention to all that stuff and do it in a positive way if you have the peace of Christ in you, which is richly dwelling in you because you've encountered him. And this is why we look at this and go, I don't know if I can do that. We pray these things. We say these things. We, we speak these dumb platitudes to each other. And, and we build these theological ideas based on rejoice in the Lord always. It's, it's greeting card theology. And it's enough of it. Enough. Let it penetrate your soul today so that you can truly live with peace, so that you can truly talk to your neighbor over the fence and say, I love you, and I don't like anything that you do, but I love you. 
I, you're a monster. I'm not going to tell you that out loud, but can you let that happen? And that's, I think, the Wyoming culture is like, let's just keep moving further and further away from people. Let's go find some land out there so nobody can bother me except for cows and mountains. But that's not the call of the church. That's not the call that Paul has placed on this church, and that's not the call that we have. We need to make our gentleness known. And I'm telling you, that only comes when the gospel is filling you up daily. Don't mistake the gospel for the people who don't know Jesus. The gospel is for you. The gospel is for me. The gospel is the thing that gives us power so that we can have peace in a time of chaos, so that we can love our neighbor when we don't want to, so that we can live a life that shows who Jesus is because he is at hand. I have a confession. I'm sick of making notes. I don't even know. I don't know. I, I study and study, and then I, I get to the morning, and I hear this thing that says, God wants me to tell you this. And I, I think the message for today is God wants me to tell you that you need the good news of Jesus. Even though you maybe accepted Christ 25 years ago, you need the good news of Jesus now, today. The gospel doesn't change your pocketbook. It changes the way that you look at your pocketbook. The gospel changes who you are and transforms you each and every day so that you can have peace. That's the good news of Jesus. And I, I love... I love to talk, <laughs> but when I'm standing in the back of our sanctuary and I'm looking around and I'm watching all of our kids, our kids need to hear us talk about Jesus and that he has given us peace. They, ought, they need to not know what's going on in our world. They need to know that we love Jesus and, and that Jesus will give us hope to fight through whatever we're fighting through. Because I'll tell you, I said this a couple weeks ago, 2020 is not a unique year. There's been chaos every year and all these other, I mean, we can find it. If we pull back on some history, right? Oh. We can find that there's been chaos. 2008 felt way different, right? I mean, 2001 felt different. Everything feels different. No, there is one constant. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That is, that is why we exist. And this is why Paul is finishing up this whole thing. And, and next week we're going to get into how to put some of these things on, but the activity of the believer, rejoice, make your reasonableness known, re, I can't even say that word, I don't know why I keep trying to, your gentleness be known to people. The Lord is at hand. Cast everything you have in prayer. Make every request that you have to the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. You will have the peace of God if you do those things. It's not a checklist. It's a lifestyle. <laughs> All right, I want to come up and sing that last song. I'm sorry if you trip over my notes. The worship team. If anybody ever wants to see my notes, the only person that really asks for them is Brent. But if somebody wants to see my notes and then compare and contrast to what's actually said, that'd be a fun game you could play. But they're here. If anybody's interested, maybe I should write a book of useless notes.
But good news for us is really important. We have to have it. It's the only way we're going to make an impact on the world around us. And I have to, Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. Thank you for um, all that you're doing in our midst. Um, Lord, continue to stir us up towards love and good deeds. Continue to stir us up to remind us of the good news of the gospel. Continue to make our, our, our hearts sing towards you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.